Now let's listen to Stuart Albertson and Keith Davidson discuss the options and their recommended approach to this difficult problem. Okay, Keith, so you uh, were the one that created this hypothetical. I thought it was a good one because it's something we, we see quite often. And here you've got a, a guy that's uh, inherited uh, apparently a substantial amount of money in trust. It's going to be held in trust for the next five years. Uh, the mom had a uh, financial planner. It's kind of odd that she would choose a financial planner. She certainly can do that, but it's kind of odd that that leads to some questions, I think, that need to be discovered down the road. Uh, but there were five options to choose from, and, and I wanted to get your thoughts on the analysis on which was the best option to choose and why. Well, and I think in this situation, the first problem I had is if you're going to do a letter at all, which it looks like in this situation, that's a waste of time because this trustee just is not communicating and you already know that. But if you're going to do a letter, just do a letter on your own. I mean, it doesn't make any sense to me to hire a lawyer, whether it's a cheap lawyer or an expensive lawyer, to do a letter. Because in our experience, a letter really doesn't do much. And the reason why letters don't work that well is because there's no backup. There's no backstop to it. So if you send a trustee a letter and they ignore it, uh, what's your next step? You can't force them to do anything on just a letter. The only way you can force people to do anything is in court. Now, if this was a trustee who you were talking with, then I think it would make some sense to try to send a letter on your own and just see what you can get. Or maybe you go and you talk to an attorney, they kind of give you some advice or some tips on what to do, and then you send a lawyer to the trustee and you say, this is what I need. And if they respond, great. Uh, but if they don't respond, like this trustee is not responding, I think the writing's on the wall. I think the, the answer is you're gonna have to take some action in court. And to do that, um, you're gonna need a qualified lawyer who kind of knows what they're doing in this area. They file in court, and then the question is, what do you do in court? So what exactly are you going to do to try and right this problem or right this ship? Um, Let me ask you this. In your experience, uh, when you see this set of facts, when a client comes in and sits down and you're, you're hearing about the $500,000 loan and the $400,000 loan, does that make sense why the trustee's not communicating with the beneficiary to you after hearing those things? Well, yeah, right, yeah, because that trustee does not want to talk about it. <laughs> Obviously, this is a trustee who has hijacked this trust for their own purposes. And, of course, this uh, hypothetical was meant to kind of bring out the duty of loyalty and the duty to avoid conflicts of interest, and this is a trustee who's violating both of those, it appears to be. So, yeah, of course the trustee doesn't want to talk to you. They're, they're having a good time with the trust assets, and the last person they want to hear from is the beneficiary. So when this does happen, and let's say that you know, we're going to put you in that group of attorneys that knows what they're doing, uh, <laughs> welcome to that group. Uh, thank you. Um, what, uh, what advice would you have for somebody that's facing this type of, a, obviously, a very stressful situation? I think the number one thing is get that trustee out of there. So that trustee has got to be removed because if they stay in office and they keep doing what they're already doing and they don't talk to you about it, it's going to be a disaster. So number one is remove that trustee. How do you, how do, you do that in California? Yeah, it's not always so easy because you have to file for trustee removal and that type of a filing ultimately takes a trial. So you have to go to trial and prove why this person should be removed. But in the meantime, you can ask that they be suspended. And so I would go in and ask that the trustee be suspended. It's up to the court's discretion to suspend or not suspend a trustee. And it's up to the judge. And some judges are, are quick to suspend, some not so. Well, obviously, you've, you've given us a pretty grave hypothetical here. But 
what what's been your experience if a judge were to see this at a, at an emergency hearing? Let's say you filed and have a hearing in about a week or so on something like this. Uh, what do you think that most of the judges you've appeared in front of? How would they address this? I think most judges, when they see a trustee taking money out of the trust, they're going to go for suspension. And I think that's the easiest way to get suspension is if you have facts and you can show that the trustee is taking money out of the trust and doesn't appear to be doing anything productive with it for the trust, I think that's the easiest way to get suspension. If you're going in on some other type of case, like, you know, bad investment decision or something like that, suspension can be much harder to get from a judge. But in this scenario where you have money coming out and it doesn't seem to be being used for the trust at all, I think suspension, you're going to be highly likely to get suspension in that case. Well, I, don't, I, I know as, when I was reading over your hypothetical, uh, I, I said to myself, how often does this really happen? And, and it does happen a lot. We have trustees taking money when they shouldn't do it. We have trustees in, investing money in places they shouldn't. Uh, how often do you see a case like this? Um, well, more often than we should. Um, the problem is, is that a lot of cases start off and you think that there's some problems, but you don't realize just how bad the problems are until you get into the case. And then the more you uncover things, the worse it gets. Uh, to have a case come in where, number one, you know that this, these are the problems, and number two, you can prove it because you have the records to show what's happening and that money's actually coming out of the trust, that's pretty rare just because you don't usually have the information up front as a beneficiary especially this beneficiary you know what information do they have they probably don't have bank records they probably don't have any financial accounting uh, they probably don't have anything to show a court just yet so we have to file and we have to do discovery and we have to get those records from the banks on subpoenas so we can make our case but it's not uncommon to have a trustee especially a private individual Kind of run amok with the trust and do things that they shouldn't be doing you know it, it happens fairly often one last question if you were advising one of your family members who was in a situation like this where would you tell them to start and how do they get help well first of all yeah you have to find you know the right attorney somebody who's going to go in and, and do what you need to be done get done secondly i think you have to look at this in stages so don't try to accomplish everything up front i think the first stage is protect the trust that means removing the trustee attempting to get them suspended, and just securing the trust assets as they currently stand. That's the first and most important step. The second step is trying to recoup the damages. And so whatever it is that this trustee has done, then you have to go and, and undo that to the extent you can, which means you're either suing the trustee or you're suing for return of property if the trustee gave it to somebody else. You have to figure all that out. But that's kind of the second step of, of this mess is trying to figure out how to make the trust whole again, which isn't always possible, but you do the best you can. All right. 